the Doxed, the podcast. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to release the first half of the season because we've been found out. I feel like we should because, well, for one, we're prepared. I feel like we're very well prepared. It wasn't completely out of the realm of possibility that this would happen. But part of me is like giddy that it did, that Allie found us out because she cannot contain herself. She can't help but to promote it. <laughs> that's one way to that's one way to put it. One thing that really makes my blood boil now that I'm out of fear, I'm out of anxiety, I'm out of survival mode and I can look at the situation for what it is and look at her for who she is and what she is. It makes my blood boil that she feels so entitled to take up all the space and she has the audacity to make it seem as though no one else is allowed to process their lived experiences with her. No one else is allowed to talk about how they feel no one else is allowed to move on how they want to. No one else is allowed to say anything. And no matter how you slice it, if you respond directly to her insults and her bullying, you're a bully and you're insulting her. If you stay quiet, in her eyes, it's a sign of weakness and some kind of unspoken admission of guilt. And it's a win for her and she'll gloat about it. And it, it's like... If you say something, you're bullying her. If you don't say anything, you're also bullying her. But if you process it, somehow that still has something to do with her too. And no more. That's not happening anymore. She doesn't get to take control of my story. She doesn't get to dictate how I process this, what I talk about, how I talk about it, who I talk about it with. She doesn't get any say in that. She wants so badly to be the main character in everyone's story. And unfortunately, sadly for her, she doesn't get to be the main character in my story. Absolutely not. Good. She doesn't get to take up any space on this podcast, on our social media. I'm so tired of her bullshit. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I think the thing that speaks the loudest is that none of our promotional stuff for this had her name on it. So all she knows at this time is that you are doing a new podcast type project that surrounds a doxing experience. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And if she's assuming that that's going to be really bad for her enough to try to quash it and put us down for the project being terrible when all she knows is what the logo looks like right now and the idea that we're going to talk about doxing, I think that just speaks volumes because it's like there's absolutely nothing anybody could do that isn't going to be attacked. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea why we wouldn't just do whatever we want to do. Yeah. And... <laughs> The story that she made this morning, um, it was a, like a, it's a direct attack towards me. And again, with the made up stuff, just just talking, just to talk, just making things up, just to be hurtful, just to send people my way to be harmful towards me and to try to to weaken the impact of the project that we're doing. And she said that I doxed her whole family. <laughs> what that never person. happened that never happened she said i made a whole mess in the reddit doxing her whole family and putting her in danger <sighs> that never happened and the great thing about reddit is that you can see my entire reddit history in my profile everything i've ever posted everything i've ever commented it's already been proven someone was impersonating me on reddit like what are you talking about girl yeah i i don't even know how that leapt 
from her showing her own family and putting her own full name everywhere to anyone who ever talked about her doxing her family. What was even doxed? I have never heard of this story. Nothing. I even checked with our friend. This, this our is friend the first Shadow. time I ever heard that I doxed her. Yeah, I even checked with our friend Shadow, who was also laughing about the idea that she had ever been doxed, and that's another person who followed this very closely. There was nothing like that that ever happened. It's completely out of the blue. Nothing like no one, no one did any. As far as I know, it certainly wasn't me. And in her latest tirade against me this morning. She blamed me for the trademarks, knowing damn well <laughs> that had nothing to do with me. Like, she's regressed from yeah, knowing well, some facts about what happened, knowing exactly who was behind the trademarks. And now, all of a sudden, now we're back to it was all me. I was the mastermind, and I did the trademarks and took all her work. What? I was going to say, it does sound a lot like, it feels a lot like early on. Because there was that whole time when she was just spinning and every single day you would wake up and you would be like, what's the new thing that, you know, somebody's going to have to scramble to defend themselves. And it's just always nonsense. And I think that, I don't know, it hasn't felt like that recently because she keeps getting her accounts keep dying within like a day. Yeah. Um, And uh, this is just... It's, I don't know. I think it is kind of funny that she wants to talk about it because if I was her, I wouldn't because it just seems like it only helps us. So you don't even know what it is yet. So why give it? She knows it's all about her. (laughs) Like we haven't posted anything. No. Yeah. Why does everything everything have to be about these people? (laughs) And one of the funny things she said was Jubilee is going to be your only listener then if you look at our our follow list on Instagram, our ghost page, because there's nothing on it, we have one single follower. And guess who that is? It's Allie. <laughs> Allie. And guess our biggest, who our first listener will be? Our, our biggest wow, guest. Uh, someone who hopefully will pay for the content. <laughs> and you know what? If anyone's going to act like it's a problem to put things behind a paywall, just get out of here with the level of attention to detail and energy we have put into this project and the level of love and care that we have been putting into this over the last few weeks. I think we have both poured our hearts and souls into it. And so I'm not going to take any shit. <laughs> about considering this a real project that deserves to be funded Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think anyone gets to give anyone shit about it no and I've been I've been getting shit for months for earning a living doing absolutely anything Mm -hmm. my books have been shit on my my podcast has been shit on they're starting on this one and I'm going to earn whatever I'm going to earn, however I want to earn it. And just because it's me, just because it's you, doesn't mean it's a scam. And you know how you don't get scammed? Don't listen. Don't pay. It's that simple. If you don't want to be scammed by me, leave me the fuck alone. How about that? (laughs) Don't consume my content if you don't want to be scammed. The most ridiculous thing in the world is to accuse you of plagiarizing or AI writing your book. Well, it has to be one or the other. Right? It's all about like, your experience. So it's a humble AI writer <laughs> that was a first-generation American and Seventh-day Adventist telling their story that you you appropriated the AI writer's story. <laughs> oh my God, that was it's so offensive it for is. her to say this podcast is such a slap in the face. 
all she does is slap in the face. And it's so offensive for her to continually say, my books are uh, copied and pasted, plagiarized, and AI generated. It's it's all of those things. <laughs> it's just so offensive. To, first, it was I, I copied her book idea. I plagiarized from her. And now I'm plagiarizing from AI and copying the the poor humble ai's story <laughs> like get it together like form a thought really i do feel bad for that ai though taking advantage of yeah no it's deeply offensive i hope that we can get some eyes on this project that are beyond this initial situation that can just recognize the common sense of what's in front of them that this is a horrific abuse of of people and it's, I mean, horrifically racist, horrifically mm -hmm. traumatizing for marginalized people, yeah. especially mm -hmm. because of her behavior, which is incessant. I hope people can just see it. I hope that, you know, when you get your nose out of the, out of the niche drama of this, it's a mm -hmm. broader human rights story. It's just a story of gross injustice that is- And let me just clear something up. Uh, Docs the podcast is not a rebrand of anything. It is its own new thing. It's a new project. It's a a combined effort between you and I. It's heart and soul, and it's something that I'm proud of. Unfortunately, the description of my experience of Allie, it's not going to sound great. So if she wants to call that a smear campaign, she's welcome to say that because she's entitled to her opinion just as much as I am. But it's not a rebrand. I still have my own podcast. I've definitely stepped away from it to focus on this because this takes priority right now. But it is not a rebrand, not by any means. I sacrificed my TikTok account because I want us to have a leg up with our social media. That's all that is. I still have another TikTok. And I'm so thankful to have a new personal TikTok that not an inch of this is in that algorithm. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. If she wants to call it a smear campaign, she can, but she's, she can't do it legally because absolutely none of this, what we're doing here is a lie. Not a single word of the entire thing is a lie. It's all true. It's all backed in receipts, whatever you mm -hmm. want to say. It's, it's deeply based in documented truth. Mm -hmm. So that protects you in a court of law. You can't, you know, you can't sue people and come after them or take their stuff down when they're not saying things. And that's not just for Allie. That's a message for anyone else that wants to try to be intimidating or threatening to try to silence us further. There are no legal cases based on pure hearsay. If you want to waste your money on attorneys and court fees, that's fine, but it would not be wise <laughs> to do it because guess what? The people that have been the most quiet in this situation are people that do their research and fact check things and look up the definitions of things. And there is no more being scared into silence because someone throws around legal terms. That's not how this works anymore. Here, here. So do we want to get down to the meat of the episode? Feminine rage? Yes. Anger? Her! Yes. Oh, ooh, ooh. Spicy. Oh. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> true though i've been so mad too i had um i have therapy every week and i talked to my therapist this week and just like raged my head off. 
and at the end some, somewhere toward then I was like you know I'm just mad and I'm, I'm just in a bad mood I'm angry and she's like I can tell <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think she was supportive because it's important it's important to have catharsis about things it's super healthy it's powerful and you know fuck all of you I'm not doing honestly, this anymore I'm not doing honestly, this anymore I'm, I'm so I'm so mad I've been so mad this whole time and one thing that really sucks about being marginalized in this particular way because i'm gonna pull the race card because it matters my race matters in this being the only black woman in this whole thing i feel like i'm not allowed to be angry because it's perceived differently if i show anger it's perceived as a threat for me to experience my full range of emotions i'm hyper masculinized in this situation and so it just i'm so sick of being beaten down into silence and having to stay quiet and watch my words and if i say something in a certain tone it's going to be taken as angry black woman but then if i'm calm cool and collected uh that's also seen as a threat too and it's called creepy and psychotic and sociopathic i just it's not even about i want to say oh i can't win no matter what but no it's not even about winning it's just be about being allowed to be human and the experience of being angry as a woman in this society like no matter how you slice it no matter how you present with your white black brown whatever feminine rage is something that is like not allowed it's like we're not allowed to be angry and i know that's an experience for white women that's different but for black women we're perceived as angry as angry no matter what anxiety fear sadness depression grief it's all taken as anger but now i am pissed off and as ali loves to say i get to be angry okay i get to be angry okay like yeah so does everyone else yeah yeah especially you get to be angry you were actually lied about, impersonated, defamed, ostracized, scapegoated, tokenized, like some of the most disgusting things. And it's provable. It's all there. You have every right to be angry. It's an infuriating situation. And the fact that it's ongoing and the fact that this uh, moving of the goalposts where nothing will stop it unless we're kissing our toes and groveling and apologizing. No one's going to do that. No, no one's I'm that. sorry for anything. I wanted to apologize to one person. That was you. I did that. I'm done. I have nothing else to be sorry for at all. And it's totally, it's like a trigger mechanism of society. I really believe that. I think it's all put in place to make you feel like you shouldn't do it because it's so powerful. It is powerful. And it's healing, I think, to allow yourself to be angry. I feel like anger is an important emotion to allow yourself to feel and move through suppressing anger doesn't help anyone it's like cancer in your body if you let it fester in your belly it's not good mm -hmm. anger is something i think that should be worked through and expressed and talked through and it it's just really unfortunate that men seem to be completely permitted in every way to show anger and rage however they want to and it's fine but i feel like for women the expectation is that anger is unbecoming and it's prettier, it's cuter to cry your way through things. It's more acceptable to cry. And also with female tears, 
it's often seen as a manipulation when crying is the only acceptable thing to do in society as a woman if you use tears for everything it's seen as a manipulation but if we could just be authentic in our full range of emotions and accept each other for where we're at when we're there i think the society could just be a lot better for everyone but it's not it's not allowed anger's not allowed for women it's not it's not cute it's not sexy it's it's not attractive it's unbecoming to feel rage and to feel anger and express it yeah i think it's threatening right mm -hmm. i i wanted to bring up an article that i i always have read some article about everything i guess but but <laughs> I have one for this, and it's called Madness and the Irrational in the Work of Andre Breton by Bethany Latimer. And it talks about surrealism and how they had this, there's a kind of a philosophy around it, and they had a goal of trying to liberate the psyche, and that for them, this goal was symbolized by women's values because they were seen as contrary to dominant social values. So surrealists would appropriate the feminine really commonly, and they believed in this kind of like mystical or divine quality of monogamous love from a woman but there's this contradiction there because the men's approach to femininity is antithetical to the notion of woman as a means of cultural change or liberation because it strengthens patriarchal structures so in other words surrealists and i think this is going to apply in general it's like a case study they're trying to use women and otherness to get at some kind of freedom but they're trying to control women in the process. So they kind of sabotage themselves. I think all of this is about trying to control women and other people because it's actually really liberating when we stand in our power and that's just devastating for the system. So you get this all this pushback and one form that can really, really commonly take is calling us crazy or hysterical. And this whole thing about spiritual psychosis reminds me a lot of that, this entire conversation around spiritual psychosis reads to me as a form of dismissing feminine things as crazy. And uh, she also talks about in the article that there's like a dichotomy between madness as threatening and then irrationality, which is like fascinating or safe. So women can kind of function like a mirror and refer back to men. And then they're like, oh, you're just irrational. And then we're just kind of safe. But if we really don't conform we become like mad or insane instead. And so society just like defines us that way, basically because we don't conform to it. So I think it's like a trap where we all can't escape self-destruction without society just reacting by trying to destroy us. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think it's something that's been probably since the beginning of time trying to destroy women. It's always been a thing. It's always been a thing to try and tamp women down. And to keep women contained and controlled and like trying to herd us like sheep somewhere, expecting us to behave like sheep. Yeah. The more you think about it, like this centuries long global effort to control women, it's got to be because there's power there. It's got to be because we have power. You don't try to control something that bad if they're weak or mild or harmless. You do that because you don't want the subject that you're trying to control. You don't want them to know that, the, that they're powerful. You don't want them to rise up because it would be devastating if they did. Yeah. I have the perfect other quote by Audre Lorde that, that supports what you're saying. 
As women, we have come to distrust that power which rises from our deepest and non-rational knowledge. We have been warned against it all our lives by the male world, which values this depth of feeling enough to keep women around in order to exercise it in the service of men, but which fears this same depth too much to examine the possibility of it within themselves. So women are maintained at a distant or inferior position to be physically, or sorry, psychically milked, much the same way ants maintain colonies of aphids to provide a life-giving substance for their masters. And that's from your silence will not protect you. But that's exactly what it is. It's like the whole patriarchal world wants to keep us around because we're useful. But it's also scary, scary to them that we're that powerful enough to be useful. So they trick us into thinking we have to be this service animal, basically. And by by patriarchal world, I think yeah. this is a common misunderstanding. I don't mean men. I think the way the world is designed really decenters everybody in some way. Everybody's getting the raw end of the deal. But the closer you are to the centered things, the more society tricks you into trying to defend them and thinking that you're not getting the raw end of the deal. You still are. You still could have a better thing if you, <laughs> uh, if we talked about these mm-hmm. things. I think that's important. Um, I think women's emotional burden emotional labor or capacity to hold space for other people's emotions. I think that's something that's way undervalued and way underappreciated. But at the same time, I do believe that the feminine in all of us, like we are the keepers of emotions, I feel. Um, we're the nurturers of emotions. It's, it's such an essential part of the human experience and such an essential part of quality of life for people is being able to regulate your emotions to co-regulate with other people, to talk things out with people, to know that someone cares about you and loves you and will hear you and see you and like support you. And the feminine in all of us is what does that. I say all this to say, because we had a conversation a while back. Well, if we talk every day, who even knows what like time, it's like <laughs> a time warp when we talk. But I think I mentioned like, we were talking about sexuality and I was talking about how I've never have been in a relationship with a woman because it scares me, the thought of being in a romantic relationship with a woman, because I've had my heart broken a bazillion times by men, but no one has ever broken my heart more deeply and more sorely than like a female friend. I can't even imagine what it would for like a love, a female love yeah. to hurt me. And I think that's because when a man breaks your heart, yeah, it, it hurts, it cuts deep. But in my experience, no man has ever really gotten to know me to my core. So they don't cut me to my core. It hurts. I get over it. I move on. Yeah. Women from my past have hurt me. They like they knew me to my core. The emotional intimacy that I've had with my platonic female friends doesn't even compare to years-long relationships I've been in where I've been engaged. I think women's capacity to manage emotions and to, what I want to say, manipulate emotions, I feel like we can be masters of emotions, period. So even though we can, even though we can help people heal and we can be catalysts for healing for one another, uh, we can help each other heal in really big ways. We can hurt really deeply. And I want to say that some of the most abusive situations that I've been involved in have been with other women. Hmm. It's 
And it's something that people don't really talk about because the focus is usually on gender-based violence, usually men uh, being violent towards women and the hostilities there. But no one's really talking about abuse among women, emotionally emotional abuse among women, cyberbullying among women. The mm-hmm. times where I've been cyberbullied, it has always been women, particularly white women. Some of the most violent interactions I've ever been involved in have been with women, specifically white women. That's interesting because for me, I think it's more the biggest pattern I notice is white gay men. So I wonder if it's like this thing where somebody that's that's like just above you in, in like the social hierarchy ladder feels like they need to kick down in order to keep their position or something, which is really gross to think about. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that's the pattern. I mean, yeah, it can definitely be a sort of punching down. Um, there could be you know, a power dynamic at play there. But that has definitely been my experience. And I don't know if people really take abuse among women as seriously mm-hmm. because of that whole oh, women are just overly emotional. It's not that serious. They're just being dramatic. It's whatever. But it's never just whatever. It's never just petty and just drama when it's dealing with someone's mental health, when it's someone considering taking their own life because they're being abused so bad by their girlfriends or people that they thought were their girlfriends or they're in a friend group and everyone just turns on them or they have a friend group and didn't realize nobody actually liked them for the last year that they've been hanging out. And I only hear about that happening happening among women. I think it can happen in um, to queer people who are not women too, but I think it is I don't know. Maybe I don't have enough of enough channels open with I mean especially not I think the older I've gotten, the less the fewer just cis straight het white men I talk to regularly so I don't think I have a good sense of what they're up to nowadays but I do think that it's very under talked about because I think that anything by anything about women is not taken seriously and again it ties into into framing people as hysterical uh and just writing off any kind of deep emotion as weakness rather than a a site of power Mm -hmm. i do think it's under talked about that's a problem well and it's difficult too because i think it always everything always has to do with with social power dynamics always that framing things according to social power dynamics always reveals why something that doesn't seem to make sense makes sense (laughs) but i think Mm -hmm. it's complicated when you're talking about people in different positions on the margins, because it's everything always gets appropriated, especially as time goes on. So it starts off as a, as a conversation that is among people who might be victims of say vengeful Karen white women and need to have a real conversation about the harm there. And then it becomes appropriated by people who are not harmed by white women but just want to harm them because they're not exactly at the top of the ladder either so it Mm -hmm. becomes in turn fun to tear them down and suddenly you can be having very similar kinds of conversations but for very very different motivations and I think things always kind of deteriorate into something that's not healing 
<laughs> unless you're doing some kind of action in the other direction. So I think that's one reason why it's difficult to have those conversations is because they can devolve quickly into just abusing women once again, when there's a real conversation to mm -hmm. be had under there, that's very important. That is about how white women are abusive. It just, it just easily spirals into further harming anybody instead of ever listening to the people that actually needed to be listened to. Right. Mm. I think there's something to be said for like, internalized misogyny and proximity to power. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there are just like terrible white women Karens on the internet that say and do horrible things and bully people online. We've experienced that for sure. But I don't know. Like, how do you how do you go about calling someone in and unpacking that and trying to take action towards actual change? So that women can come together and not hurt each other in these really deep, awful ways. I guess the best answer is like decolonizing, right? And not just thinking of it in one dimension of womanhood, but thinking of it in these other dimensions too. Because uh, I think, you know, you say, who? how do you call someone in? Who's you? You, you? Me, you? Who's calling someone in? Because I think it's all about uh, a lot of factors, not just the womanness of it womanness encompasses a huge range of people uh that have kind of a, i think decentralized but some overlapping interests for sure mm -hmm. but i think understanding community better seems to be really key i think there's this great work jubilee's doing about solution raising one-on-one -on -one conversations and i don't know and i think uh different language for different things but i think women do find spaces where they can figure out healing things together. I think conversations around like shadow work can be really healing mm -hmm. and one good way to think about or therapy or emotional intelligence, starting to talk more about the value of women's work, emotional mm -hmm. work, kin keeping. But I think that, um, I think that there is a lot of, there's a lot of, what are you saying, woman on woman abuse, or there's a lot of abuse in groups of, of uh, female friends right mm -hmm. but a lot I think, I think there can also be a lot of community and support and there can be healthy relationships between women that are really uplifting and mutually empowering and supportive those can exist so I think maybe even representing those for other people to see what the mechanisms of them can be like how you could do a relationship like that successfully how you could have good boundaries with friends. I think talking about these things and also just living them and having more representations of them because they exist. There's always been spaces like little secret spaces carved out for the honoring of feminine things that have lasted through generations and generations, kind of just right under the surface of society. You know, they don't have to be written down because we pass them down orally. We pass them down from mother to daughter, things about how to keep the house, things about raising children, things about family. Those th those are like very va valuable kinds of knowledge and they're just missed and undervalued and not seen, but I think they're all there. I don't know. There's good with the bad, I think. And it's just a matter to me. I think it's just a matter of having those conversations and moving ourselves in a better direction. But yeah, I don't think it's ever been, I don't think it's ever been squashed. This kind of powerful thing survives in just secret places, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that kind of thing probably thrives in spaces where the goal and the intention is actual community and not competition. I feel like a lot of times young girls, young women are socialized to be in competition with one another. Yeah. And yeah. So how do you create community like that? Like it, it would just be, it would be inauthentic to try to create community when deep down your goal is to win something, win popularity, win the best of this or the best of that, win the guy, win the, you know, the perfect highlight real life for Instagram, for social media. Like, I feel that's what kind of separates us. That's kind of what pulls us apart. I saw this really horrible, horrible take on TikTok the other day. It's made the rounds. You've probably seen it. But it's this woman sitting at a dinner table basically saying that if she sees a woman in trouble, if she sees a woman like really going through it, I'm not going to hand you a tissue. You're a big girl. I'll witness you go through it, but you know, I'm not going to be there for you. You're a big girl. And it's it's been it's viral on TikTok and I've seen so many people respond to it. And there is a black woman in particular that was like, Mm-mm, that's not for us. That's not for black women. Rugged individualism's not the way. Women were not supposed we were not meant yes. to be alone. We were not meant to be on an island to just sit with our trauma by ourselves. It's not how we were built. And that's so true. Exactly. It's because of this individualistic mindset. It creates the scarcity mindset about somebody having to win as opposed to the idea that if you win, I win because we're the same thing. That hyper-individualism is all about whiteness. It's all about colonization. And you're exactly right. I think it's a big part of what creates that artificial sense of competitiveness and artificial sense of a need to kick people down so that you can stay where you're at instead of just everybody rising up together, which I think is absolute. I think it's absolutely possible. I do. Yeah. I don't think we were ever supposed to just bootstrap it through every aspect of life. That's not how life is supposed to be. I don't That's think. not how it even works now. People just erase women's work. That's mm-hmm. not even how it works. The idea that you can bootstrap it is because you just don't name all the women around you supporting, giving birth to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, we need community. We need space to exist in whatever it is that we're going through season to season. We need space to exist as we are, how we are, whatever we're going to grow into. We need the space to grow, to to evolve, to to learn new things, take in new information, to shed the old, to usher in the new. It all takes space and acceptance and allowance and support. Yeah. And even even with the stupid situation with Allie, like let's say we weren't doing this project together and I, I did rebrand and I did move on with my content. I spoke out again and... and took on new content and took on a new form on social media. I would have gotten the same exact response. There's Mm -hmm. no room to grow and to move on. Like, why is society like this? And I know this is a small situation, but it's like, it's sort of a slice of the pie of what society is like and how people are treated when they've gone through it whether you've made an actual mistake or whether you're the the subject of a smear campaign 
to reemerge, to to come back to what it is you were doing, to try to change, grow, heal, move on. It's just you have someone with their fucking heel on your head. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a good, such a good point. No room to grow. And that's so essentially what makes us human, what makes humans thrive. It's just so interesting to me remembering Allie say things like, what's happening to me is, you know, why so many people take their lives because of cyberbullying. This is what makes people take their lives. And it's like, no one's doing anything to you anymore. You were a dangerous creator. So much so people took action to teach you a lesson and get you off the platform momentarily. She came right back, but... (laughs) She was terrible enough where people took direct action to change, to change it, to neutralize her so that she couldn't hurt people at that level anymore. Yeah. But looking at how she behaved even today towards me, just poking my head out just a little bit with a with a logo, not even yeah, con- you didn't I even content post forever. anything. You didn't even post. Let's just talk for one second. You didn't even post anything. There's nothing posted on any of our socials for Docs the Podcast. And she's acting like you did something horrible. And I'm being bullied today. And she's had the nerve to say, this is why people take their lives. Like, I am well aware. (laughs) This situation put me right back in therapy, right back on antidepressants, right back on anti-anxiety meds. Like, I'm, I'm well aware. But the fact that she saw a logo of us doing something different, like planning to drop this project. She's at it again, relentlessly bullying, laughing, pointing, see this account, see that account, trying to do her same old thing. Send people our way, send people to Instagram, send people to the TikTok to start all of this up again. Yeah, yeah this is what makes people the take time. their lives. Yeah, she's right. That exactly what she's doing. That is what makes people take their lives. Yeah. Yeah. She's putting my full name on there. My real my name that I don't use for anything around this project or my TikTok. She knows exactly what she's doing. She knows how awful it is. And it's undeniable. We never never held ourselves out as experts in (laughs) in any like we're not out here being mental health peer counselors anti-therapy therapists like we're not doing any of that you know how many people have podcasts where they just process things with their friends and just share information that they learn and research and interpret things people are allowed to do that without labeling themselves as an expert we haven't done that she saw a logo and said oh i guess they're just experts in everything now like it's a logo calm down It wasn't even in any of the, there was zero promotional material mentioning her in any way whatsoever. None. There was nothing that would, that she would have any reason to assume that the whole thing was even about her. (laughs) And too damn bad for the amount that this woman has lied about me. I was going through some of this footage because I've been making this mashup for our intro now. And it's just a good idea to catalog, I think. And one thing that I forgot that she did was that she accused me, she accused all of us of sending her death threats, which 
never happened did not happen i sure didn't do that in no universe did that happen no one did that to her i didn't do that you didn't do that carrie ann didn't do that rosemary didn't do that absolutely absolutely not jubilee didn't do that nobody did that nobody sent you death threats queen of receipts where are they she loves to call herself the queen of receipts where are the receipts for that that's nonsense nobody did that so that's a lie and don't go and then so that's just you know that's down because we got it down but she didn't take it down she said she would take things down and apologize she didn't do that she just lied and then never took any step back to say (laughs) never took any correction of any of this horrible actual defamation and actual slander actual lies lies she has another clip in the in those in those clips i'm sure we'll talk about it uh when we listen to it because i'm 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 almost done with it but there's another clip in there where she just straight up diagnoses me with narcissism so don't ever get on your high horse about how people are saying you are or aren't autistic or you are or aren't a narcissistic you have nothing to say and by the way i've never said i've never diagnosed her with anything i've never undiagnosed her with autism i know that you have different feelings about that than me but i do she has diagnosed me with narcissism and she's diagnosed other people with autism mm-hmm who multiple experts said didn't have it so that's absurd you don't get to talk anymore you don't get to have you don't get to have it both ways Mm -hmm. you've shown your full ass you can't just go around saying these things and expect that it doesn't matter the next second when the complete opposite is convenient for you to think as if you said it the whole time yeah and i don't mind being the villain in her story but what I'm not going to do is be quiet anymore at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. And also, I don't think any of us has a choice about who's the villain in anyone's story. Nobody has a choice about this. I really think people seem to villainize both of our, everyone's autism. Everyone that is autistic is getting villainized. Mm-hmm. And everyone at some point who is autistic has been falsely accused of being some kind of sociopathic mastermind. Mm-hmm. And it's getting old. Not only is it offensive, <laughs> not only is it ableist, as everyone hates when I say, it's getting old. Mm-hmm. It's, it's contrived at this point. Stop everyone assuming all the time that I'm lying about my autism and that also I'm a secret narcissist sociopath when everything I've done and said is the exact opposite. I, I Obviously, I care about people. Shame on people acting like I don't have humanity because of my tone of voice. It's just, it's such a pattern. It's ableist Mm -hmm. when every single autistic person in the whole situation is getting accused of being evil. Mm -hmm. And I also think one of the most amazing things about the situation is that because TikTok created that weird little moment of TikTok autism, then we all got pushed into a space where there was actually like a density of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what it takes to change the world is you get kind of a density of people. I think that's similar to Jubilee's idea of getting a certain number of people to go after a certain goal. Yeah. I would call it I would call it a density. And it's like we we got into this situation where there's autistic people for the first time, enough people that then it kind of just worked in spite of everybody trying to put us down. 
Mm -hmm. put us down all the time, try to break us apart, divide us, make us feel like we can't trust each other, make us feel like we're all evil and terrible and everything we say is wrong. Everything we say is suspect. Get out of here. I worked for so long, like, get out of here. I've been an artist for 10 years. I have every goddamn right to be on TikTok saying whatever I want to say. I live in America. Mm -hmm. I understand there are consequences. The consequences should not be that someone is allowed to continuously lie about me for months. Yeah. The platform is wrong for not taking care of that. And in the meantime, no one gets to have anything to say about whatever this podcast is. Shame on all of you for thinking that we're not, we don't deserve to be here. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. Yeah, the level of manipulation that's already happening, we haven't even published anything yet. As of today, April 7th, we haven't even published anything yet. And the manipulation that's already happening, the lies that are already be being told about this podcast from not just Ali, by the way, I'll leave that at that, but it's wild that people can just make shit up, expect that everyone believes it, and no one gets to say anything to the contrary. In what world is that In how any of this works? It's <laughs> not how any of this works and I'll be damned yeah. if I'm going to be silenced again I'm in the same boat as you I'm feeling sick of it my entire life I've been sick of it I was born into this world knowing something was not okay about what we leave lie mm -hmm. every day and I finally am able to survive in spite of this crap and I don't think a lot of people are and so yeah. too bad too bad for all of you who don't want us to say anything and what are they so afraid of? Why so threatened by two awful, evil, useless, harmless, whatever people that they want to call us? Why so threatened by us speaking? Jealous. Must be. Must be. And to okay. hear Ali say so many, so many different times, I'm, I'm never going to stop. I'm, I can keep at this for years. <laughs> How sad for you. You can't even keep your TikTok up for more than a couple of days. You're going to be at this for years. How sad for you. Well, and I think, I also think she, she means sometimes in that interchangeable words way that she cares about her project of trying to help people get out of spiritual psychosis. But I want to return to that idea of spiritual psychosis because it really is it's so dangerous, I think, because it's it's not in the DSM-5. It's not a thing. Mm -hmm. Psychosis is a thing. And I really think it's dangerous to misdirect 
the causes for someone's psychosis and attribute it to just their spiritual beliefs as opposed to whatever factors, which commonly could include things like bullying, cyberbullying, Mm-hmm. or interpersonal things like that very very dangerous psychosis has a myriad of causes so many different causes and by the way um me the scammer i put together a whole live event <laughs> talking about this in depth and i know she's gonna say and other people are gonna say you don't have any authority to talk on psychosis well ali you talks about psychosis about all the time so i'm gonna do my research and interpret that research and talk about psychosis. If you don't believe me, go see a doctor. I really don't care what people think about me talking about this. But psychosis has a bunch of different causes. It could be drug use. It can be trauma. It can be just a sudden change in your reality. It can be a sudden change in consciousness, like believing something and then suddenly seeing that that thing's not true. It, It has so many different causes. And if you are a spiritual person or you're practicing some sort of spiritual practice when you have a psychotic break, it doesn't mean that your spirituality caused that at all. No. And it's so dangerous. And and if you don't have any, what authority does Allie have and what authority has she ever had to talk about people's mental health other than having the experience supposedly? But again, I think I've said this on other episodes, it bothers the hell out of me that she spent so long and still does talk about how I had spiritual psychosis and I'm like the poster boy for spiritual psychosis only to also privately message me. Have you ever had psychosis? No, then you don't get to talk about it. Like I'm, if I'm being diagnosed by her with spiritual psychosis, why wouldn't I be the expert in psychosis and talking about it? This doesn't make any sense. It it really doesn't. And let me put it like this. If she gets to talk about whatever she wants to talk about, we get to talk about whatever we want to talk about and people can do their own research. I'm not going to be told that I don't have the credentials in something, so I'm not allowed to talk about it. That's bullshit. We can all talk about whatever we want. We can put disclaimers. Obviously, do your own research, but I'm tired of like the played out, you don't have credentials. Like, fuck all of you, honestly. Yeah. What's the thing the psychics put under their their tags and for entertainment purposes only for entertainment purposes only have some discernment (laughs) yeah and if you don't have great discernment do the work and do your research do the work it's so it's so upsetting that she spent so much time on tiktok atop a huge platform bullying people for being in what she diagnosed them as psychotic If you believe someone is psychotic, you're not doing anyone any favors. You don't have some some noble mission by bullying them for it. There is no mental health diagnosis out there that is cured with abuse. None. If If you believe you have encountered someone that is in a psychotic state, bullying them is not the way to de-escalate it the way to go very dangerous actually (laughs) extremely dangerous if you have a loved one um that you believe is experiencing psychosis and you don't know what to do either don't interact with them at all try to get them professional help 
And if you don't have access to that, show compassion. They're not in control of their thoughts in that moment. They're not okay in that moment. They're not going to understand bullying and shaming and confrontation in that moment. They need compassion and patience. They need someone that they can talk to, even if they're not making sense, even if what they're saying is really disjointed and nonsensical. Just someone that can just listen. That helps to sort of ground them just a little bit until they can get professional help. Making a million TikToks about them and shaming them publicly, that's not how you do it. And I don't understand how Allie could have grown a platform to the size that she did, standing 10 toes down on what she was doing was helping people. She wasn't helping anyone. Making a spectacle about someone that she believes was in a psychotic state, how do you watch that and say, oh, she's doing good in the world? No. What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what audience members were hyping her up with all those comments about how she saved their lives. But if her abusing people is what saved your life, I mean, I'm glad you're still alive. Maybe do better now that you're in a better place. Maybe do better <laughs> now. <laughs> Maybe grow and evolve from where you're at. <laughs> glad you're still here, though. Amen. That's the hard truth. Mm. I'm so angry. I think that's called for completely. I know we said in the previous episode, we talked about silencing and the harm in being silenced versus choosing silence. And I don't know. I feel like there's a really fine line and you're going to sort of waffle back and forth when you're angry. There is a time to be quiet when you're angry because you don't want to make rash decisions and be messy and make mistakes out of anger when you're dealing with something like this. But I think even in a cooling off period, even when you're trying to heal and gather your thoughts and cool off and calm down and think things through, it's still okay to be angry. Like there's so much pressure, especially in this whole like spirituality corner of TikTok with toxic positivity and how anger is low vibrational and you, you attract bad things when you're angry. You don't have to bypass your anger. You can heal and grow and evolve. You can learn new information. You can cool off and make better decisions, but that doesn't mean like, oh, I can't be angry anymore. If you still feel it, it's okay to still feel it after some time. Yeah. And for it to come in waves and come back after it seemed gone. I think that's really important for people to hear too, that it's mm -hmm. allowed because it can feel like it's not. And that doesn't make it go away. It does make it live in the body and even just live generationally. It just keeps going until someone deals with it. Mm -hmm. You got to deal with it. And dealing with it doesn't necessarily mean erasing it. You don't have to run from your anger. You don't have to bypass it and stuff it away. You don't have to do that. No. And I think also there are healthy ways to express it that don't have to be scary. And when you can be in supportive environments with people who understand you and when everybody has good boundaries, you can express anger with the people you love in ways that are not toxic. Mm -hmm. So that's really good to practice. And it's good to understand yourself well enough that you can do that instead of bottling things up so that when they explode, they hurt people unintentionally, whether that's you or other people. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways to express your anger. I know not everyone has access to a therapist. Not everyone can afford that. But if you have a close friend that can 
hold space for your anger and not shame you for it. Because, you know, there's different levels of friendship. We all have our friendship circles and everyone's different. Not everyone can handle your anger and that's okay too. They're allowed to have a boundary with you. Not everyone can can be around angry people for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. If you have a friend that can handle you being angry without trying to shut you down or redirect you or tone police you, talk to someone if you can talk it out. And if you can't talk it out, write it. Write it down. If you're not a writer, open your voice memos and talk it out to yourself. Record yourself talking it out. There's ways to release it. I'm a power lifter. When I'm raging mad, I go straight to the gym and I rage lift. Yeah. And it feels really good. I was going to mention exercise. Yeah. Yeah. There's rage rooms. You can make a whole event. Yeah, I've been mentioned rage rooms too. I had a friend who was so into them and found it really, really helpful to process things. Uh, mm-hmm. I have another friend who goes to acupuncture and swims mm-hmm. by it, but exercise running can be great for it. I also go to the, I go to a fitness center and sometimes when I'm really overwhelmed, I go in there and I have this great trainer who is good at kind of modifying what we're doing that day, depending on what you need. And some days I've gone and I've been so upset that he's just been like, all right, let's do stretch like hip stretches because all of the, all of the deep emotion stuff is stored in your hips and in Mm -hmm. your kind of sacral area. And that can help too, even if you can't get up and do a bunch of cardio and do the most impressive workout, just lay on the floor and kind of move your legs back and forth so that you can stretch your hips out. And that can do wonders too. Just any kind of bringing awareness to your body, doing something with that energy, it's, it needs to be allowed. You can't just, it's not healthy to not do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. Something as simple as doing hip stretches to release the tension there. Also shaking and tremoring. Yeah. And stimming. That helps. Yeah. That really helps. Um, I was talking to uh, a psychiatrist about this and she had mentioned that when uh, certain animals experience the trauma of being like preyed upon and chased and they survive it, they get away they shake they shake for several minutes to release that and she said that she had a patient that was a a marine or something he was in the military and when he experienced something traumatic with his unit they tremor they would tremor they would shake to immediately release that energy and kind of shake it out of their body to help sort of speed up the process of processing that trauma and feeling really deep anger and rage like that is it's the product of trauma like something happens to make you feel like that Mm -hmm. and it does get stuck in your body and it gets stuck in your brain yeah I love that advice any kind of physical motion it's okay to scream and if you can't scream out loud, like if you don't live alone or you have really close neighbors, you can scream in your head as loud and as long as you want to because you don't have to take a breath in your head. Yeah, you can also listen to music, I think, and make music too, or even go to a show that certain kinds of music, I think, allow for cathartic expression like 
a metal concert where you can bang your head or something where you can dance around and like a rave or anything that kind of just gives you space to dance. It's also okay to just cry, you know? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm a, I'm an angry crier for sure. I don't know what I am. I had a whole bout of depression when I was like 20, maybe 18 to 22 and cried every night, every day, at least once a day for, for a couple of years, which was so much. And then I turned that off like a spigot and then didn't cry for a long time and had to learn how to balance that and get to a place where I can feel my emotions relatively soon after experiencing them, if that makes any sense. Because Mm -hmm. I've always had a lot of trouble regulating or being, I guess, in touch with my body enough to know when I needed to cry or was experiencing that intense of an emotion, which I do think comes from not just autism, but trauma. I think Mm -hmm. that having expectations on me as a young kid to be a mediator and also even just the expectations of femininity to be a peacemaker, those kinds of things made it really hard for me to be in touch and in tune with my body around, especially, uh, especially really intense emotions like grief and anger. Mm-hmm. So it's taken me until even kind of recently, last couple of years of my life to just cry when I feel like I should cry. Yeah. It's so sad to like, to know that so many people, so many, uh, so many people have had to suppress how they feel to the point where they feel disconnected from their own bodies. And I think it's especially difficult for autistic people um, because we're prone to meltdowns. And a lot of us that have had to mask really heavily for most of our lives, those of us that are late diagnosed, like for me, a lot of my meltdowns when I was younger were they had to be internal. I didn't have a choice because I'd be punished. Like a meltdown was just not a thing that was allowed at all. I was raised in a really strict religious household with really volatile parents. And there was just no, a meltdown would be seen as a tantrum that would be seen as bad. It would be seen as disrespectful and it would be punished. There was no, there was no having a meltdown. There was no I'm upset yeah, because something's it. happening to me internally. It's you're yeah. being disrespectful. You're being disobedient. I'll give you a reason to cry kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, a lifetime of internal meltdowns has taken its toll. I'm in my mid thirties and just decades of internal meltdowns has definitely taken its toll. And now I'm giving myself permission to feel all of my feels whenever and however I want to feel them with whoever I feel safe doing that with or by myself. And it, it's a process of permitting yourself to feel all the things that you need to feel. It's a process to reconnect with your own body. Yeah. My, my household was not quite so suppressive, but my meltdowns were also absolutely seen as disrespectful, which gives the kid a complex. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I identify with that and it, it becomes a really kind of devastating struggle to put those pieces back together and figure out how to trust and be okay in your body, even in moments where it's not in a society, societally acceptable emotional state. Mm-hmm. I think people's language in child rearing best practices nowadays are getting better at giving kids emotional space and teaching them emotional regulation. 
I, again, I don't think that was really, that wasn't language really when we were younger. Mm -hmm. So I hope that that is not an experience that's shared with people going forward. Yeah. Um, I think the, the generation that raised us, they weren't raised with that language at all. And when our generation of parents say, well, when we were young, we had to blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, we know. We definitely get it. You're a product of your environment. We get it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm excited about the idea of people getting better starting circumstances in terms of emotions and emotional intelligence and aware and just self-awareness. I think a lot of people are breaking cycles. And I think that that's a big, big one. Learning in families how to give space to children's emotions and emotions in general i think it changes the world mm -hmm. not just learning this in families and with children but learning this in your romantic relationships learning this in your platonic friendships learning to give different people in different interpersonal relationship dynamics learning how to give people space all kinds of different people, all kinds of different space for all kinds of different feelings. Emotional intelligence is a skill. We're not just born with it. It's something that we have to learn and develop and keep developing in each phase of our lives. When it comes to anger, when it comes to danger or justice or direct action, like I, I don't know. I feel like there's kind of a balance there too. What you witnessed happening on TikTok before the beef with you and Allie really got going, you saw something that felt unjust and you spoke out about it. Um, when I realized something was off, I felt like something was unjust. It made me angry and I spoke about it. And people are going to have their opinions and judgments for how and why and when and where and all the things that they would have done differently and whatever. I don't really care what people think and how they think it should have been done or handled or whatever. But if there's no perfect way to do it, I don't know. I don't think there's a universal way to take action when there's an injustice. I don't think there's a perfect level or a perfect presentation of anger, you know? Yeah, I think it's okay for it to be messy and still to try. And I think when you're trying to just move in the right direction against all odds, something is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Who says that we can't take up goddamn space? I'm just mad about it. I mean, I don't really care what people, how, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> when it comes to people wanting to stop us and silence us, I don't really care. They want to take, whatever action they want to that's fine people are allowed to do and feel whatever they want to but i'm just not going to let it affect me i'm gonna i'm not gonna let fear ruin my health not one more goddamn day not one more day i've given so much energy i've i've lost so much time it's not even that i've given it so much energy i've lost so many days in a row of feeling happy, feeling healthy, being productive, getting back to my life, maintaining my friendships. I lost so much time. Not because I'm obsessed with Allie. That's not why. No one's obsessed with Allie. But depression is real. Anxiety and fear, all of those things are real. 
And there were people involved that benefited from keeping a lot of people in a constant state of fear every day. Prolonged anxiety because it benefited them to do that. And I'm not losing one more day to that. I just don't give a single fuck what anyone thinks about this podcast. It's not for the people that want it to end. It's not for the people that are mad about it. It's for the people going through the exact same thing so they can see there is light to the tunnel. There is an other side to all of this. And you're allowed to feel all your feels. You're allowed to respond however you want to. And you have support. You have a whole library of podcast episodes of people that have went through the same thing you're going through. You're not alone. You don't have to drive your car off a bridge because you just don't know what to do. You don't have to take your own life because this seems so overwhelming. We've been through horrible cyberbullying. Horrible. You've heard me cry so hard over this. I've heard you cry so hard over this. And this isn't for the people that don't want to hear from us. It's for the people that are on the edge of not being on this planet anymore because it's so overwhelming. I care about them. And I really don't care what Allie has to say about being deplatformed. It wouldn't have happened if she wasn't so terrible. <laughs> There's a reason why I still have a TikTok and you still have one. There's a reason why we're, why we're still here and she can't keep an account for more than a few days. That's not us. It's not us. No, it's a lot of people that were attacked. Not people she can that make a new TikTok every single day. It keeps getting taken down because people don't want to hear from her anymore. There's nothing. Her trademarks were purchased, but she's free and clear to be on the internet however she wants to. And she can't stay on TikTok for more than a couple days. What does that have to do with us? Because you have freedom of speech, but not freedom from the consequences of what you're saying. So, Yeah. No, and I mean, I I haven't even reported her any of the last few times that she's been back up because I agree with you. And and it really does affect, it sits in your body when you don't do anything with it. I need this podcast because I need to feel like I have had some way to process the whole thing. I have this flare up of my, my I have a skin disorder that flares up when I get stressed and this has been so stressful and I was talking about it in late January it's April now it's still an increasing problem it's still a flare-up because of this entire situation which is solvable I need to live an entire lifetime of learning to not let myself get so stressed out and the problem is not engaging with this thing in the first place the problem is not having space to process things so that they stay in my body and I hold them there and then I get these flare-ups. So this is important for my physical health as well as my mental health. And it's really, my whole original channel was never even meant to be some huge platform necessarily. I was excited about the idea that a lot of people would be interested in what I was saying but it wasn't about growing to some huge size. It was about talking about whatever I needed to talk about and sharing myself and what I thought and my music. And that is so helpful for me. This is helpful for me. So that's what this is too. I don't, I don't care either 
if people feel like any sort of way about it, it's really, I don't care at all. I am so done caring. I, I don't have it in me at all to care anymore. I don't even know how I'm going to be perceived in any of this because I haven't even announced it to my family that I'm going to stop with my dissertation. And I think it's the, it's one of the best choices I've made for myself in years and years. And I don't think that that's going to be easy for people to understand. And I just don't care anymore. And it's not just that it's a lot of different things. I think that my entire life, I have to live the way that makes me okay. And I have to just confidently do that. And the more I do that, the more weird ass pushback I get from people whose business it is not. And too bad. I'm doing the more that I just do what I need to do, the more great I'm doing, the more I'm doing great. Don't worry about me. I love that I'm doing this podcast. I am so happy about it. I am in just in the face of this, I'm not happy about being in the situation, but I just don't have it in me to care what people think this looks like because I have one life and I'm doing exactly the life that I'm supposed to be doing. And I am doing a good one. I think I have a guy. I am a legend. (laughs) And if people think that it's a problem that I'm making my own story about me, get out of the way anyway. I don't care. I don't care if you think that my story should be about you. It's not. I'm very cool and important in my own life and story. And that doesn't make me a bad person. Stop trying to gaslight and convince me that it does. I'm allowed to think I am interesting and a protagonist in my own life and story and tell my own story my own way. Get out of my way. Stop assuming that you are the center of my story. Yeah. No one that is not permitted to gets to insert themselves in my life story. I'm tired of certain people that have just decided that they know exactly who I am and what I'm about and where I'm going absolutely absolutely the fuck not (laughs) the the intuitives that think they know anything about me um (laughs) intuit your way out of a paper bag try that first haven't seen you do that yet like i don't i don't need anyone to tell my story for me or or decide who i am no thank you exactly i know who i am i'm very secure in my identity i'm very happy with my choices i've learned all kinds of lessons. I have not stopped learning. I have not stopped growing. I will continue to evolve. I will make mistakes. I don't care. It's a part of my journey, my story, where I'm going. And when I die, I'm not taking anybody with me. So you don't need to be invested. No one needs to be invested in my story. Let me live my life and say what I need to say. And if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to tune in. Yeah, weird of you to be that concerned about someone else's (laughs) way that they're going to tell their story. I think you're great. You're a super cool person. You are too. (sighs) Mad about it. I'm so mad. And I think I'm particularly mad today because I'm allowing myself to feel it. And for so long, I felt I've been made to feel so bad so bad about every move that I've made through this situation. 
bogged down, gossip, gossiped about, lied about, plastered all over multiple people's TikToks, judged, no one asking me a single goddamn question, anything from me, because people just already aren't going to believe me. They just decided I'm a scammer and a liar. Fuck all of that. I get to be mad today. And all I've done with my emotions the entire time is try to create. That's all I've done the whole time. I made two series. One that kind of was the catalyst for the whole hashtag viral, hashtag viral sound. Zero regrets about that. And I made another series where I was so fed up and so pissed because I had actually, I had been sent a few TikToks of Allie's at that time and saw all of the absolutely unhinged things she was saying about me. Such low blows, trying to cut me so deep, trying to embarrass me, trying to shame me. And I, I got fed up and I got snarky. And I said, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea what I'm capable of. You've underestimated me. Big mistake. And I was trashed for that. <laughs> like, I'm so done. Yeah. If I cared about what everyone thought about me, I would not be alive right now. Yeah. And like you following through on that threat is not you coming to Ali's house. It's you creating things. Exactly right. I think I'm so proud of this project. I'm so excited about it because I feel like it's solid. I feel like it's a good story. It's the truth. It's filled with interesting characters. It's filled with really important things for people to be talking about and learning. And I would have loved to have found something like this when I was going through it. And I'm so proud of it. And it's really the first thing I've been excited about in a while. I have, I mean, I have some music cooking and that is exciting, but I've been working on that since 2019. I think when I started, first started recording that project, still going, it's just, it's been a while since I've really sank my teeth into something that I felt like was going to matter, that I felt like, and I'm approaching this like a piece of art. I'm approaching this like something that is supposed to be cohesive and stand the test of time and Mm -hmm. it's so it's so bizarre being up against all of this stuff that just isn't even designed to stand the test of time at all Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to I'm trying to you know have I'm trying to build a life that tells an entire story over the course of my whole life about the things that I value about my principles and about my guiding my my core guiding ideas because I think they're important and I think that's a good way to do it Mm -hmm. so everything from this project everything I do matters to me doesn't have to matter to anybody else and it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else why it matters Mm -hmm. it really doesn't but I think this thing is great I think that this is this is meaningful it is meaningful and if it helps even one person It was worth all the work we put into it. Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxtthepodcast.com. Hey. Thank you for coming back on here. No problem.
I don't know how productive of a discussion it will be, but I just kind of wanted to hit record because I wrote an email to my dissertation advisor right after we got off of the call talking about our last bit of our recording there. I just told them officially that I'm not going to finish it. I'm going to walk away from it. And I know that that's the right decision, but I have a lot of feelings of grief about it. And I was feeling frustrated because mm. I always feel like my emotions get delayed until it's too late to feel them. And I was trying to approach that episode like with my real feelings about it. But I really think there's something about just the way that I've responded to trauma that makes it so that that just shuts down until after the fact that I got off the call and I was just feeling frustrated that it just, I don't know, I feel really separated from my emotions when it seems like it's important. It's important to feel them. And I think I was even talking about that in that episode. And I think it's fine to have them in your own time. But I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I'm just hurt because of the nastiness of people. And of what seems like people intending to misunderstand me all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's been so much cruelty through this whole experience. It's been a lot to shoulder for months. So much trauma. So much. When we were talking about how I feel separated from my family because of it, I don't feel like I have them. I mean, they're supportive. They're supportive. They take my calls or whatever I talk to my mom most days but they got dragged all over the place and this is what I want to do for my life and I understand why it would be hard to buy into that if I just instead of making any money whatsoever or doing anything that's that looks productive all I did was get everybody dragged But that's not fair because I've been working really hard for a long time on my art Mm -hmm. so that people could hear it because I think it's good and important. I think I have important things to say. You do. And it's it's awful. It's an awful feeling to feel that everything you have to say is going to be a tax on mass. I don't know. Usually it's okay, but I really do feel like this has me like popping in and out of hope this entire situation sometimes I do feel really hopeful this podcast has been the first thing I've been really excited about I'm somebody that needs to be doing creative projects to be okay and I really put a lot down in order to finish my dissertation and this is the first big project in a while that I have gotten fired up about and felt like it mattered to me And then I just have moments that I get the wind sucked out of me. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard because I think that's the right thing for me is just to focus on the things that are, that make my mind interested in them and that feel like they're important. Because I know that, I know that I have a lot to say. And it's ridiculous for Allie to act like, like everybody's putting me down for being a white supremacist because I have college degrees But at the same time, she's scoffing that we could be experts at anything. 
and that we could have a podcast where we talk about things in an informed, educated way. That's my entire adult life, being informed and educated about the things that I talk about. Mm -hmm. If you think I'm being pretentious, still just go away. Because it's not. Like, just listen. Allie is not and never will be the authority on who gets to be educated, who doesn't, who gets to speak, who doesn't. Never. (sighs) I know that it's the right thing. I know that it's the right choice to do what I'm choosing to do, but... I really don't have, I really don't have a plan. I really don't have, I want this to be my career. I don't think that should be something that people villainize and demonize, especially not some of the same people that make money doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But in general, people cannot possibly imagine how very much my entire life has been making art. What else am I supposed to do? You need to be able to create and to express yourself. And it's not fair for people to villainize it. But those people don't have any power. They don't have any say. You do have important things to say. You're incredible. You're brilliant. You are absolutely brilliant. And your art, your work, it's impactful and it's meaningful. And it touches people in a way that nobody else can. That means something, and you're going to find your way. Whether it's this podcast, whether it's something else that you do, you're going to find your way. And I know this is like a really shitty grieving period because you're letting go of something. You're letting go of a path you thought thought your life was going to take. But you also know that you're doing the absolute right thing for yourself. Just give yourself time to move through it. I'm just grieving. I think it was definitely the right it's definitely the right choice. I'm just heartbroken. This whole thing has just taken so much away. Like the whole thing, not just Ollie, the whole the whole pandemic. It's been like years now. There's just so much happening. It's really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I had already been working so hard before that and coming to the end of this whole thing and thinking I was going to finally find some stability and I just can't do it. My body is not able to do it anymore. I think my immune system got affected, whether it was COVID or what happened. And I just feel like society also... There's just a lot of reasons why society tells you that you don't have value that are just out of, they're out of my control. I don't know. This has been devastating. Mm-hmm. And I was frustrated about that episode because I really struggled to feel my feelings because of trauma. And I just, mm-hmm. it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to be also called like a sociopath. As if I don't have emotions just because I struggle to express them in the in a way that's like timely. People have been unnecessarily cruel. So unnecessarily cruel. And you don't owe anyone your emotions in any particular time. You feel what you feel when you feel it. And good people, good, sincere, empathetic people know that and wouldn't judge you for it. 
or make fun of you for it. It's like hard that you would have words. People just do judge though, you know? Yeah. Like, please stop. Please just listen. It's so important. Also, I want to say, like, at the height of the abuse you were experiencing, you weren't showing this emotion and people judged you for it. Yeah. It wouldn't have been safe for you to. Because they would have they would have ripped that apart too. Yeah, well, I always I always kind of laughed at that because there's even a TikTok up from like a week before this started where somebody literally commented and said that I was being too emotional and that's why nobody listens to me. <laughs> and so then I was going through this entire situation and being told like you're so emotionless and you're a sociopath and I was like it doesn't even matter because like I wasn't it's not like I was even being different from the week before and the week before the argument was I'm too emotional to be heard so that part was actually making me laugh all time but no TikTok is not really a safe space for this because it's all way too out of context I mean we there was an entire conversation on there which is a nuanced conversation that almost that almost shouldn't have even been taking place on TikTok. And it was about white woman tears. It was coming out of some kind of news story where some lady white woman tears a guy and tried to get the cops involved. And so then the TikTok version of that became it, uh, the TikTok version of that debate became like the the argument was you can't cry publicly at all if you're white. And I started getting annoyed at that argument because I was like, I can see the point, but also it seemed like it was getting used and appropriated by people that just wanted to like keep women down, not people that wanted to call out whiteness. Mm -hmm. So I was getting frustrated with some of that back and forth and just being like, you can't possibly mean that there is never such thing as a situation. Like I can absolutely by of course there are situations where it's weaponizing your tears to be a white woman crying in public aren't there also situations where it's not a weaponization to be a white woman crying in public like if you just a actually got attacked in public or something or like if you're mm -hmm. just upset about something of course there are situations and there were people on tiktok that were arguing with me and saying there is no such thing as a situation where a white woman should cry in public. It's always weaponization. No. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. That's just not, that doesn't, you're not having an imagination. Because I can easily with my just imagination come up with 10 scenarios that have nothing to do with race, for example. Where it would be, like, there would be no weaponization going on if just someone cried in public. It just became this weird, like cudgel for all white all women you know like it's just people that just want to rag on women come mm -hmm. like swoop in there and turn it into some issue where shame on me for crying at all that <laughs> i remember getting into that whole thing <laughs> this is not the first time i've been called a, a white supremacist on tiktok oh my god <laughs> oh well. but it is it's just like whether it's performative or not i think people judge everything and forget that literally all of us are beholden to the same system the same capitalism the same issue that makes us all performative at all times all branded at all times always have to be on always have to sell something about ourselves why would like don't 
you have nothing to judge. You too, though. You too. Whatever you're doing, same. You're not better mm -hmm. than someone on TikTok crying. And not everything is manipulation because you don't like it. If you don't like my tears because you don't like me, my tears aren't a manipulation. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's all highly contextual and goes back to power dynamics and the context every time. Because, <sighs> like, yeah, it can be manipulation, too. But it just absolutely depends on, you know, we've had the same conversation about the word offended. Who is offended? <laughs> At whom? That matters for, like, what that word even means. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I also just would normally be processing this, like, I have a therapist, so it's not like... I don't even think I have like an unhealthy addiction to TikTok or something. I really don't think that's one that's something going on with me. I think I don't feel like it's a huge problem for me to rip myself away or whatever, but I did use it as like a kind of journal and I don't have that space to process any of this whole dissertation thing going on separate from any of the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a big event. It's a momentous occasion in my life. It's a big deal for me too. And I think I've been... I think it's been slow coming for a few years now, really, like it really changed. The pandemic changed everything. 2020 changed everything. Mm -hmm. So it's been like a slow process of coming to terms with the fact that I'm a much different person now. And that, you know, the degree was still helpful because call me not an expert at all, all day. I've been in multiple, I've been in so many graduate courses about all of these topics, representation, critical theory, orientalism, all of these like psycho psych psychoanalysis, semiotics, like I did a whole a whole graduate class on Freud and the Freudian tradition and Lacan. And that was that was all worth doing. I don't think I think the degree was always an excuse to do that for me anyway. So it's not like I lost anything that was for me. Mm -hmm. but I also absolutely wrapped up my identity in this idea that I'm and also always have been a PhD candidate I don't think people really understand the difference between a PhD student and a PhD candidate but a PhD candidate as a PhD candidate I had to pass two foreign language exams um I had to take and pass all my classes you get A's in grad classes <laughs> You don't mm -hmm. get a bunch of C's and keep going. No, that's not how grad classes work. And I got through all that. And then I proposed a dissertation topic. I had to like defend the proposal. I had to write a bunch of essays answering all these questions. And I also taught classes. I taught college courses for years. For years and years and years, I taught college courses. I'm very good at it. <laughs> Actually, I've designed college courses. Fun fact. And that's mostly just because they like to exploit graduate workers, but nonetheless, I have, I've been the president of societies that ran graduate conferences. I ran a graduate conference. I was the president of a, another president. I was the music chair of a sorority and I wrote sisterhood songs. I've been the president of a bunch of different, <laughs> a bunch of different composers groups. I wrote a master's thesis. I have two master's degrees. I know I say that all the time, but it's like a whole four years of my life. So, so I don't know. That's all worth it, you know, but it was a huge identity buster <laughs> to be like, well, now I need to 
like I think a lot of people who are precocious young kids end up burning out at some point and have to kind of face the reality that they're not the smartest thing in the world with all you know who's ready to impress everybody every day for the rest of their lives and I think I I burned out later than a lot of people but I also burned out right before an official finish line which really is just a society problem like a problem that society has with my behavior and not a problem that I have with my own way my life is going because I don't want to teach I don't want to teach anymore I'm sure there's other schools that weren't as bad as the one that I was at but frankly it was a dysfunctional toxic department and extremely ableist (laughs) and Mm. I don't want to do that so that's really mainly what that qualification was would have been for so that I could teach those theory classes and I don't want to do that so it's the right choice Mm -hmm. but it's just very difficult you've accomplished really big things along the way like that matters to who though to I mean I guess I can put those things on a resume you know I don't I I think that people people don't want to cheer you on in your moments when you don't have all the stuff to show for it when you're not like being aspirational people don't really people want to cheer you on when you're like look I got my first big paycheck after working for so hard for so long Mm -hmm. people are very fickle and people have short attention spans and a lot of people don't have a whole lot of depth when it comes to other people's accomplishments anyway they're just quick to judge well that's why it doesn't matter either way like nobody cares nobody cares either way doesn't it didn't ever matter to anyone except for me you know I think my family just wanted me to be functional mostly and like I think it's nice when you can be proud of the accomplishments of your of your kids or whatever but I think mostly that was that's what matters it's just a whole identity to let go of yeah I'm just mourning it like I, it's the right choice I'm just grieving it yeah that makes sense to grieve that it's a big change and there are a lot of unknowns to navigate too so it makes sense to be feeling this way right now I mean it's scary I don't have for all these people blustering about how much money my family has you guys <laughs> that's just that's just some alley bullshit like I don't like my family's fine my dad is not the kind of dad who sends me money or anything like I I don't have a huge income I'm about to no longer be part of an institution that gives me health care with a flaring up chronic illness that is going to cost a lot of money there's a lot of unknowns and you know again this is the kind of I want to do this with my life I want to do social commentary I have so much to say and I don't know I think my family's generally supportive but I also think it's been really hard it's been it's been making me feel ashamed and have difficulty going to my family for support because Allie drove that wedge between us by dragging everybody in Mm-hmm. and no it didn't happen in both directions she's off here now spouting about how she got her whole family docs no no you put your family on your tiktok i never did that my family no one did my tiktok 
No one did that. No one doxed Allie. Allie doxed other people. Those two things are true. So Allie has harmed me by driving a wedge between me and my family. That's real world harm. It is. She gets to go on with her everyday, whatever she's been doing every day the whole time. Like her life. I had imagined her life did not really change other than her accounts got taken down, which needed to be because she's a dangerous creator. But it didn't impact her family. Like, it, no. It didn't impact her enough to stop doing the exact same thing she's been doing the whole time. And that's what's so frustrating about her playing victim and whining and making up shit about people when she's caused real world harm. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, a lot of this is probably just my own internal, like, like my family is very supportive and we love each other for sure. It has been really harmful. And and even just like, people need to not just flippantly throw around accusations of plagiarism when they, that happened to both of us, mm-hmm. when they, just because they're pissed at you or something, it is a pretty serious charge. You don't mm-hmm. just lie about that, Allie. Hey, Allie, don't lie about people plagiarizing things it's very serious and it's not cool it's not okay it's actual defamation actual defamation don't do that it's serious like you bet your ass now i care about saying something in response to that setting the record straight and saying as much as i want to about it Mm -hmm. much less the entire like and she really did come out here and try to say a couple of times that she never blamed me for the death no in other videos you did it happened and certainly your followers did the followers Mm -hmm. literally called me a murderer so and then even if you want to separate yourself from your followers you absolutely pinned a death on me you tried to act like you were only talking to the other creators even though you tagged me along with them Mm -hmm. no no there are absolutely videos where she's blaming me for the death. Very conveniently separates herself from her followers. <laughs> like she picks and chooses. Yeah, but the but ridiculous you- thing is that even if you did sep, like you can mention that the followers are also horrible and say these horrible things. And then you can say, well, setting that aside completely, still she did a bunch of defamation <laughs> mm-hmm. to herself specifically as an individual. Also, in addition to the followers, call me a murderer did a bunch of defamation and it's not okay and in what universe are people going to just not deal with that it's a very serious thing that you're doing wrong Allie no one else is doing that to you you are doing that wrong saying that my book that I worked so hard on my first pub the first time I ever published anything I put so much work into and money into because I didn't know what I was doing publishing that first one and to say that it was plagiarized, a book that she never even read, sending people to my book posting to leave fake bad reviews for a book they never read. Do people understand how hurtful that is? That she can just lie and people just march right on over and destroy something based on lies that she made up? And I got accused constantly of making up lies about her. Yet my content lived on my page for over a month. Nothing's there anymore. I Trust me, I've moved on. But I, I never made up lies about her, ever. 
and the things that I am still being accused of are all just things that she made up. Like, I wish people had enough common sense to realize what she's doing, how she manipulates, how she lies and twists things, saying, oh, they're so obsessed with me. You're you're the only one here with the TikToks and the stories every goddamn day. Hasn't let it go yet. She made a, like... I don't even know how many hours worth of Instagram stories the other day. This is between me and her former client. It's between me and you, nobody else. God forbid I change a logo on one of my accounts. Now it's now it's between me and her. It's relentless. She's insufferable. No more being silent. No more being bullied. Like no more this trauma. Feeling sick to my stomach every day. Wondering what she's going to say about me next. Whatever words float across her brain is the next lie every time. Yeah. I mean, this is just horrendous to treat people this way. And the thing is, it's not happening to her. It This is not a two-way thing. No. It's never been. No, it's not. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not. It never has been. Allie is abusive. 